In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It is a Miles Garrett special, and this is the anti-climax before we start. I'm afraid to say there's going to be very little of Miles' voice you're going to hear. It's due to Ian set up the uh, podcast, so Ian Wright's on the other end. Ian, how are you? I'm good. How are you on this lovely weekend there, Mr. Paul Brown? Yeah, very good, thank you. It's very chilled. No uh, higher stakes. That was on last night, and uh, no Brown, so it's all very quiet. Yeah, the, the international man of mystery that you are yourself is actually in the country of uh, England, not in Germany or Spain. or It's a, a London weekend, so very nice. And there's no NFL in London as well, so all very quiet. I don't know what to do myself. <laughs> well, I actually went to the Ohio State-Northwestern game here in Chicago last night. Um, so the nice part is for the next two days, I get to just sit back and watch other people play football. Yeah, all my fancy teams all lined up, so it's all good. But anyway, this is a Miles Garrett special. So what happened? Ian, do you want to just talk us through about how you managed to uh, get communication? Yeah, so as many people know, Miles is a captain for Chris Long's foundation, the uh, Water Boys. Um, and in essence, the goal of the, the foundation is to bring clean water to people across the world that don't have it. So Miles had opened up a um, an Ask Me Anything type of uh, – seminar um, for people that were uh, you know linked up with his or with his foundation and organization so it really gave you a good chance to kind of get to know miles the person um, and really kind of understand some of the things that make him tick what are his motivations so overall you know we got a chance to kind of ask him questions and find out really what he thought about things so what were some of your takeaways uh, just you know from getting a chance to speak with him yeah, I think the first thing was, it was 45 minutes, guys, and we could ask him absolutely anything, and he was answering it. The, the, probably the first thing I took away was how grammarly correct he was. He corrected my English a few times, very humble. Actually, I don't know if humble is the right word, in because when I said to him, who are you scared most of, Dorsey or Kitchens? And he said, like, neither. Like, it, it didn't really matter to him. So he, he was very... Yeah, he was very humble at times. And then flip side, he was very confident and uh, assured of himself. Yeah, the one thing I kind of took away is he's just a very impressive individual. Um, he's very well-spoken. He is very detailed in his answers. Um, you know, he, he definitely puts thought and passion into the things that are important to him. Um, you know, we we're obviously asking questions just kind of a full spectrum, whether it was football related, whether it was college, whether it was, his, you know, he spoke about his grandmother. So there is a lot of depth to that young man. And he's, he's one of those guys that I think as a parent, you know, which I'll soon to be one day, you can really tab him as being that role model type. I mean, this is a guy who in the wake of an unfortunate incident with a, a knobhead as the, you know, the Brits would call him in Cleveland, wasn't phased, wasn't angry, 
didn't, you know, a lot of Browns fans were worried. I think that he was going to hold some sort of resentment or blame the city of Cleveland and nothing could have been farther from the truth. Just the ultimate professional. Well, yeah, actually we can start with that. That was my first question to him. And uh, I think we may have had the world exclusive. We had the first photo of Miles Garrett with his face absolutely fine. And uh, he basically didn't really want to answer it because he just answered it like, doesn't really matter, didn't really affect him. And uh, next question, really. So uh, Yeah, I, th- I think he in essence said, because from what it sounds like, it sounds like the gentleman, and I barely even call him that because he doesn't sound like one, um, was a pretty small guy. I don't think he was uh, over about 170 pounds. And I think Miles' answer was, yeah, I drove home, got dinner, and went bowling that night. So <laughs> he definitely was not phased at all by this this jackass. And, you know, hopefully he kind of doesn't get the attention he's looking for and ends up doing some sort of community service because, you know, somebody like Miles who gives back like that, I think would take greater joy out of making someone like that pay with their time and energy and giving back to the less fortunate than, you know, some sort of, weekend in jail or anything like that. I think, you know, something a little bit more beneficial to the community for such a cowardly move. And during the podcast, Ian's going to have a lot more notes than myself. I was in a German cafe drinking a beer with the laptop and the headphones on where Ian was taking lovely notes. So uh, that's, that's why uh, Ian's on the podcast because he's a lot more detailed than me. <laughs> I don't know about that. I just had the benefit of the pen and paper. So it was a little bit easier for me, but it was ironic because the first question we asked him, the first thing point blank was about his love for the, uh, the international game of football, or as we in America call it, soccer. And uh, he pointed out pretty distinctly that his two teams right now that he are supporting are the boys in Spain, the Barcelona and uh, Man City. So that's a little bit outside of the box from an EPL standpoint. So what was your takeaway whenever he kind of dropped the dime that he was a Man City fan? Being a Man City fan, you've got to support Man City for over 20 years for any respect for myself. It's like sporting the Pats. Like, I went to work on Friday and I saw a Pats jersey in the office and I was like, excuse me, but like, why are you a Pats fan? He goes, I think they're good. It's the same as Man City. You know, you only support Man City. Glory fan. You've got no connection, no history. Yeah, so um, a little bit disappointed by that, to be honest, Ian. And uh, I was a bit disappointed with your, I was a bit disappointed with your grammar actually. How you spelled football, which you spell f f u t b o l. It's football. But anyway, uh, this is not a grammar podcast. <laughs> Taking shots. But yeah, Miles hammered me for my English, by the way, during the during the uh, interview. But other interesting thing was, and a few people picked up on this. We all thought that Miles Garrett went to Barcelona for a trip to see dinosaurs, to see the city. He never went, and I kept on prodding him around this, and he clearly said he has never been across the pond. So I don't know where that story came from. I think maybe he said in an interview that he was going to Barcelona this summer, but he never went to Barcelona. Yeah, he was pretty adamant that he has never been across the pond and that he has only, I believe, been to Canada. He, he spoke about how he wanted to spend a week in Toronto and you know packed up and went up to Toronto for a week. So... He was very adamant and he was also very open when we suggested that, you know, if he ever wanted to catch, a, you know, a, an English Premier League game in London, that he would definitely be linking up with some Browns fans over there. So uh, he may be setting up a table for a future Paul Brown, Miles Garrett uh, one-on-one interaction. I look forward to it, but I'm going to criticize Miles again. He kept on saying he loves traveling, but it sounds like he hasn't really traveled outside the USA. 
Well, I think we forget. I mean, he is probably what, 23, 24. I mean, it's, it's sometimes tough when you're as dedicated to the craft as he is, you know, also he mentioned his dream vacation would be to go to Japan. So for him, he really loves their culture. You know, he mentioned about how his favorite tree was the cherry blossom um, for all the people that couldn't wait to hear that piece of information. So I think that as they get longer into their NFL careers, they're afforded more of the luxuries. He also mentioned, I believe he's going to Tanzania this offseason as well. So I think the travel is going to start um, really kind of becoming a thing for him. You know, he obviously is really big into the anime um, and the, the, the driving principle behind that is kind of, you know, the Asian culture. Um, so I really think, now I can't imagine what Miles Garrett at his size walking around some of the Asian countries would look like, but I do think we're going to see a lot of things with Miles, uh, especially being maybe a more of an international man of mystery than yourself. Yeah. And just give you a bit more depth into the actual um, interview with him. He was in his bedroom. He had a, um, one of his drawings on the wall behind him. Do you remember what it was, Ian? It was one of the anime characters. I, unfortunately, myself, am not big into the anime. Um, so I was not privy even when he did answer it. I didn't know who it was. He uh, also yeah, had he was his, an office or something. Yeah. It, yeah. His dog was coming in the, into the room. What's the dog called? Gohan. Gohan. Yep. He was yeah. coming in the room. Yeah. It, it looked like he was in a little cupboard of a room all, uh, all mic'd up on the uh, zoom.com. So, uh, yeah, I think it was one of those things where he kind of just set up maybe a little home office. Uh, you know, I'm sure he doesn't have the largest, you know, apartment or condo in Cleveland. Um, so he probably set something up just to chat. But I was kind of fascinated, and many people may know this, and they may, many may not. When Miles decided he was going to get Gohan, and at the time he was not named, and obviously we're very familiar with some of the things he does with the dog parks. So Miles was looking for a black German Shepherd. He found one in Missouri, oddly enough, you know, the home of the, uh, the Mizzou Tigers. But so Miles just one day on a whim, hopped in his car, drove 11 hours to Missouri, picked up his dog because he didn't want to have to worry about the dog being shipped back to him. He thought that that was a little bit cruel and unusual for the animals. So here's a guy who obviously was the number one pick in the draft who just said, you know what, I'm going to spend 24 hours in a car to go get the dog I'm looking for. So I thought that was a kind of a, a really an insight into the type of guy he is and some of the depth that he really has to him. So I'm going to translate it to you, what it sounded like to me as an English guy. It sounded like he said to me that he was going to Zurich which Zurich's in Switzerland to pick up a German shepherd, which all made sense until he said, I didn't want to fly. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Well, yes, we interrupt this podcast to bring you breaking news as watching Frank Wisconsin Badgers have now lost to the fighting I-L-L-I-N-I fighting Illini of the University of Illinois. So that is big because obviously Ohio State plays Wisconsin next weekend. Um, it was going to be a big game, but now seeing Illinois, that's going to drop them in the rankings. So, that's, that's a pretty big upset. I think Wisconsin was over 30 points uh, favored in Vegas. Well, Joe Thomas is not going to be very happy. So uh, let's, let's move swiftly on because otherwise we turn into a college podcast and we're not a Browns podcast. We're doing a world exclusive with Miles Garrett, who's not actually on the podcast. But anyway, um, the next thing that came up was quite interesting was, what's the biggest adjustment for you for the NFL, Miles Garrett? So one of the things Miles brought up was really the time management. You know, we, when, when we send athletes to college, 
you know, there's an expectation that they are student athletes as well as students. Their days are structured from early morning to early, you know, to late evening. I mean, a lot of these big programs will have the people going from 7 a.m., you know, damn near till 9 p.m. So one of the things Miles specifically mentioned was how much extra time he had. Um, so really trying to focus on his time management skills, getting in and out of the building, you know, at normal hours and stuff like that. So he's really prepared for the game. So it was kind of fascinating listening to hear him talk about, you know, of all the things to him, it was more about managing his time. Something is so simple, but I guess could be so critical in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. And um, did you get the answer? Did he say someone asked any special pregame rituals? Yeah, he he didn't really have any that he talked about. Um, you know, some of the things he mentioned that he, when it comes to kind of his game day stuff is, you know, he really kind of only likes to eat light foods during the season. He doesn't like to go heavy with the pastas and stuff like that. He likes to go very light. And then also there's only three drinks that he will have. Somebody asked him about drinking and water, lemonade, and orange juice are the only three things he consumes. So He's a very disciplined person when it comes to his rituals. You know, he talked mainly about the weight he wanted to stay at, um, being right at about that 273-pound mark. So he seems like a guy that's pretty in control of diets, um, weight, just so he can make sure that he's optimal. So he didn't mention any pregame kind of superstitious things, but did mention a lot about kind of the disciplined approach he has to eating during the season. He did mention he's going to get hire a future chef. I should have said to him, I can cook up some food, but uh, I don't think he would have got my English humor. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. You know, he, well, he, he did joke about how his diet may not be quite on the, uh, the Tom Brady 12 method. Um, but he does definitely try to stay strict. Did you get the answer what he's been watching on Netflix recently? So he had said he's more kind of on Hulu right now. Um, but a lot of the stuff that he mentioned was kind of of that anime blend. Um, he's also kind of big into the superhero stuff. You know, he talked about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was a nice flick of his. He also enjoyed their soundtrack. He talked about kind of the Jurassic Park, which everybody's well aware of, you know, Miles' obsession with dinosaurs. But I don't know if you noticed this or not. He did make a mention regarding his dinosaurs. So he had a, um, he has his degree in geology and then also got a minor in architecture from Texas A&M. But I will give you a little bit of a breaking news thing. He talked about how he's going to finish that degree next offseason. And then he said, I will be enrolling in a local university that is well known for paleontology. And I will just let people know, I believe Ohio State University has a paleontology program. So we could see in the next couple of years, Miles Garrett, a student, at the Ohio State University. And I'm guessing, mate, there's no way he could go and play for the college team on a Saturday and then Browns on a, on a Sunday. No, his eligibility, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, that will not be happening. But, you know, he did talk about Jurassic Park and Green Mile. Somebody asked him about his, his favorite uh, 90s movies. Um, so he really kind of went into the, uh, you know, the, the plethora of movies. And he's kind of an old soul. I mean, he was even asked about who's his favorite current band or, you know, and he said all the bands and artists he like are a, a lot older, you know, so there's just, it kind of just showed really the depth. I mean, he, he really talked about kind of the things that you don't normally hear. I mean, being able to label, oh, I like the Spinosaurus dinosaur and, you know, from Jurassic Park three, but knowing that, well, what we knew about that then is not what it is now. So, you know, it was just, it shows you this guy is just, he really enjoys books. I mean, he was talking about, 
you know, Rolling Thunder, Hear Me Cry is a book that he really likes to read. So you can just tell that this guy is just, there's more to it than you typically get out of an athlete. And I thought it was very, you know, encouraging to hear him open up about stuff, even outside of the football field. Yeah, I'll keep on the same topic about films. He was just basically saying he loves 90s films, obviously Jurassic Park, Green Mile. Any other ones that I missed? He did talk about his Harry Potter uh, affiliation. He said that the, the quiz online said he was a Hufflepuff, but he identifies as a Gryffindor. So for all the Harry Potter people out there, there's a little, uh, a little tidbit for you. Mate. It, was, it made sense to you. It didn't make any sense to me. So, uh, Well, if you remember right, when I was out in London, the fiance and I made sure to make our way out to Watford to go to the Harry Potter uh, thing. So I, I haven't seen him like she has, but I know at least what he's talking about. He mentioned that his favorite place in Cleveland is the same place as myself, Edgewater. I absolutely love it out there. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think that came up with when they were talking about his hobbies you know, he's big into hiking and photography. Um, he's a big writer and poet. So he said a lot of times he likes to kind of just go out and be able to share the visions of Cleveland. You know, he said a lot of times people aren't going to know what Cleveland looks like. So for his photography, he wants to kind of share the beauties of, you know, Rocky River and Edgewater with the people that normally wouldn't get a chance to see it. So I thought that was a pretty nice way of bragging about uh, where you live. So you know, definitely something that was interesting to hear from him on that sense. Yeah, he had a uh, Nikon camera for all you camera buffs out there. Um, I don't know which one he had, but... Um, I don't, I don't it, remember the model number on that I think one. it was a MR850 or something. But the only other thing he mentioned about restaurants... What did he mention restaurants? He, he didn't... He mentioned he didn't go out a lot, did he? Yeah, he said he's he likes to stay in. I mean, I don't, I don't remember him even really mentioning... He didn't mention any one of them by by uh by name oh mm. uh, what uh where do you want to go next with this then Ian? what other things he mentioned well i think one of the things that people like to hear about is you know miles garrett the football player you know I've, obviously that was where he um he really kind of made his name obviously as being the number one pick in the 2017 draft um so just some of the tidbits i picked up on regarding the football player that miles garrett is the favorite stadium. So obviously he gave the hat tip to Browns fan and said his favorite stadium to play in is uh, First Energy. But do you remember what his favorite road stadium was? Mate, I was getting a beer at that point. Sorry, Ian. Heinz Field. He said that he lo- he, he he said he specifically remembers you know in Heinz Field the energy and stuff that they have. And when you make a big play on defense in Heinz Field, kind of that thrill of what, hearing the crowd that's so energetic go quiet. He specifically mentioned that his favorite road stadium to play in is Heinz Field. So I think he takes a lot of joy out of um, getting to the quarterback there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I asked him what his sack total was. He said he he has one, but is not going to share it right now. But he did want to be the number one sacker in the league. Correct, correct. Well, he and somebody even asked him if he could sack any quarterback, who would it be? And he specifically mentioned Tom Brady, which he'll have a chance to sack here in about eight days. But then said of a, of a guy who's not playing, he specifically returned, uh, referred to Joe Montana as Joe Cool. So shows you he's into the history of the game, knows that uh, Montana's nickname was Joe Cool. But those are the two quarterbacks that you know he would love to sack at some point. While we're on the football theme, I asked him, does he prefer playing inside or outside? Uh, a question that Jack asked me to ask and absolutely said all the fun happens on the outside yeah. and loves being he on the outside. He was adamant about that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's funny because then uh, it followed up with asking him about his spin move. And he specifically mentioned uh, former uh, Colts defensive end Dwight Freeney as kind of the guy who he modeled his spin move off of. Um, so, he, you know, you could definitely tell that he loves being outside. He goes, I do like going inside at time and time, you know, if I have a favorable matchup on the inside. But, you know, he definitely knows that his uh, bread is buttered on the outside. He also mentioned that, well, we asked him about the start of the season. How did it affect you? And obviously, the he kind of mentioned the, the injury to um, the Jets quarterback. And he said, look, I don't want to hurt anyone, but it is my job to uh, up, upset and do as much as I possibly can for the team. Yeah, you know, it, and it was one thing he mentioned. And if you remember right, right before that, he mentioned kind of the influence his grandmother had on him. Um, and his grandma being the one that triggered poetry, but also caught it, kind of taught him about the respect of the game. So he specifically mentioned, like, I'm not out there to injure anybody. You know, we all have families and stuff to get back to. Um, but, you know, he said, hey, at the end of the day, if he plays clean and he plays, you know, aggressive, you know, everything within the rules is, is fair game, you know. But obviously he doesn't want to see anybody get, get hurt. So it was definitely something that, you know, you, you really saw – how serious and focused he is towards the game. Poetry came up a few times. Did you get anything else out of the poetry side? Um, other than the fact that it was really motivated by his grandmother when he was young, um, he does post some of his poems every once in a while on Instagram. He says he's not on there very often, um, but people had asked him to really kind of share maybe some of his photography and some of his writing. So we may see a little bit more from him uh, in relates to kind of the in-depth workings of what he's writing about, thinking about at the time. He categor- he clearly said a couple of times he never checks his DM on Instagram. So if you're DNM, I think you're just wasting your time. Yeah, I thought that was a very odd question to say how many DMs. I think that there was somebody that maybe uh, fancied themselves some Miles Garrett, but he he did not have any interest. He really didn't even know what that what, what they were talking about. He's like, I don't check that. Mm. With the um, uh, MMA, the stripe, I asked him if he ever um, tapped him out, but he didn't really kind of answer that question. Did you? Did he? Did you hear that at all or not? Are you talking about with the steep Miocic? Yeah, yeah. He, you know, one of the things he talked about was in his level of preparation. He thought that that was really good from a hand placement. So you know, Miles talked about being on the outside, his use of being having leverage with his hands. And I think that was kind of maybe the biggest takeaway he had from training with Stipe was how you're able to control somebody's body with the use of your hands. Um, and I know Joe Thomas talked about that a lot from an offensive lineman standpoint about how there's certain areas where you want to keep a defender's hands off of you. Um, so I think that was kind of the main thing with him, with that hand-to-hand combat and that striking, you know, how to make sure you get the guys where you want to get them so you can take them where you want to take them. But if you remember, right, he also talked about the penalties thing. I, I think it was you that asked him that, right? Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that he were, were, was talking about was the hands getting up around the body, which we know can be uh, illegal hands to the face. So do you remember what he said about the, the penalties and the fines? No. Nope. <laughs> Jeez, Paul. I'll look to my notes because I wrote Paul's question. He is not phased by him. It does not Oh, yeah, I, I remember that, Ian. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. He, he, he literally goes, listen, penalties happen. Um, but, yeah, he was – he. He is not at all affected or influenced by the penalty. He's going to continue to play the way he knows how to play. I remember that, Ian. Actually, at the time, I think a real hot German girl was walking past, so got my attention. Can't blame you for that, buddy. And um, I'm just trying to keep this in, in to, to some structure. The, um, 
obviously you talked about Texas a little bit as well, but we'll come on that, I think, later on. Well, one thing I'll get, I, I asked him was, what is his favorite attribute um, of Freddie Kitchens? Um, that, you know, kind of what does he think about Freddie as a coach? And he specifically, the first thing he went to is um, how faithful Freddie is. So, you know, a lot of Browns fans ask the question about, you know, all the teams giving up on. No, it sounded like Miles was pretty clear in the sense that, you know, the guys really believe in Freddie. He's a faithful guy. He's very loyal. Um, you know, he has an unwavered confidence about him. So I really think that, you know, Miles emphasized the players coach that Freddie is really connects with, you know, the guys in the locker room. So any idea that there's this idea that um, Freddie's lost the team, I think Miles put that to rest pretty quickly. Um, you know, he also mentioned that his best friends on the team are the D line, spends time with them on the field, spends time with them off the field. Um, I asked him who I thought was the funniest guy, and he specifically mentioned uh, Devereaux Lawrence, said that uh, Devereaux was one of the funniest guys, and the fact that him and uh, Daniel Ucale go back and forth almost on the regular. So he specifically mentioned those two guys and said, hey, you know, they are, they are quite the, the comedians of the D-line room. Mm, mate, you took some good notes there. Some questions I asked around these two topics was, who are you most scared of, Freddie or Dorsey? He laughed and said, neither. And I asked him, what's OBJ in the, like in the dressing rooms? And he basically just put me down and said, look, he's the same as everyone else. He messes around. He's focused. Yeah. Just the same as absolutely every single one else. Yeah. And which is common. You know, we heard that a lot from the, his teammates in New York that, you know, here's a guy with such an, a social media following who comes into a locker room in Cleveland. And, you know, he's just another guy in the locker room. He talked about how he jokes around with everybody, talks smack, you know, gives a lot of, you know, beef to people here and there. So, you know, I, I thought that was a good question because I think sometimes people think that OBJ is some giant, you know, figure in the locker room, yet you got Miles Garrett who's leading the NFL in sacks, potential contender for a defensive player of the year. So if there's one guy on the team that kind of matches OBJ bravada to bravada, it's Miles and said, no, he's just another guy. I then asked, who do you hate more, the Ravens or the Steelers? And he said, I hate everyone in AFC equally. Yeah, he said those are worth two. So he held no qualms about it and said, the Bengals, the Steelers, and the Ravens, you are all on the Miles Garrett list. He does not like you. He wants to beat you and enjoys beating you. I thought one question I asked him was about the traditions at Texas A&M. I mean, that's a pretty historic program. And, you know, he talked about the war hymn, which was kind of cool. Um, if you haven't had a check, chance to check that out, I would definitely Google that. It's something that they do at Texas A&M that's really cool. But do you remember the story he told about when he was in college? So as you know, we, this big thing about college athletes getting paid, he talked about on several occasions buying lunch for his fellow classmates at Texas A&M. So this was before Miles Garrett was a multimillionaire. He was using what little money he did have in college to, you know, pay, give it back, pay back, um, and buy lunch for fellow classmates at different places around A&M. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know, he really spoke. I, I asked him about what drove him to the Water Boys um, Foundation, and he said, you know, it was a passion of his, you know, to just give back. And he loves helping people. Um, you know, somebody even had mentioned about a cause they had, and he had said about possibly talking to his agent and getting him on board. I know he specifically brought up, you know, causes that he is definitely for and supports is, you know, the people against domestic violence. You know, he talked about Alzheimer's, which was the, um, the cause of passing for his grandmother, who he was very close to. And then also mentioned breast cancer. You know, his aunt was affected by that. So, you know, those were three strong things that he is definitely 
um, supports, you know, domestic violence, obviously the opposite of anti-domestic violence, but um, Alzheimer's and breast cancer aware awareness. So just really got to the depth of the man. I mean, this is a guy that has, you know, the world by the shoulders and is just doing everything right that you could ask him to do. So, you know, as I said before, Miles Garrett, the role model, you know, buy his jersey, do what you can to support him. I mean, this is just a guy that, you know, I think Browns fans are going to be, you know, just in love with for the next, you know, hopefully decade plus. Yeah. If, if I can um, print some t-shirts off, maybe the um, international ones with the British flag with the uh, Her Majesty's dogs on, dedicate all the money for Miles Garrett's uh, charity. So I'm thinking about it. I'm just trying to get all sign off at the moment. Yeah. And I, and I think that Miles is definitely open and aware to anybody. I mean, having this, you know, the ask me anything for the people that supported his foundation was really cool. Um, so you can just see the type of guy. I mean, we've seen it, the, the dog park things where he meets with fans. I mean, we, we, we sometimes judge our athletes and, you know, a lot of them don't get it. And Miles Garrett gets it. I mean, he's just a guy that you left the conversation being just more impressed than you already were with a guy who just understands the bigger picture, doesn't put himself above anyone else. I mean, this is a guy that was given, you know, phenomenal God-given talents and he is as humble as you can be. So you can definitely tell why he is so well liked in the rock room and will probably be, you know, a captain and, you know, just absolutely community ambassador for Cleveland moving forward. Mm. And uh, Ian, I just want to say thank you so much for setting it up. Without you, it would never have happened. And it was a real, real unique opportunity where you get to speak kind of one-on-one with the number one draft pick in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it was one of those things where I thought that, the city of Cleveland can rally around, you know, a jackass like the guy that he was. And I, the donation that I made was actually in honor of the jackass. And I specifically made sure to mention that. So, um, you know, out there in Cleveland, go to Miles Garrett's Twitter, you know, at Miles L. Garrett and donate to his cause. I mean, really show him. I mean, I know there was something a couple of years ago where um, Andy Dalton made that touchdown pass and all the Bills fans donated to his charity. So I think it really gives Browns fans an opportunity to show Miles Garrett how much we care and go out, support his causes, support him, the person. If you see him in public, please don't punch him. That is just an absolutely ludicrous thing to do. Um, you know, shake his hand, support him, um, because he's, he's one of the good guys. There's definitely no doubt in my mind that this is a guy that has just Everything he practices or everything he preaches, he practices. So he's a guy that definitely, you know, has my my support moving forward. Well, thanks again. And we've got a huge week of podcasts. We're going to be doing uh, the daily mock draft. We're going to do a Browns mock draft in the middle of the bye week. So that'd be quite interested. I've got Connor Rogers coming on, stick to football. He's going to come on. He's coming to England. So I'm going to meet up with him next week before I fly out to uh Boston. So got lots and lots of uh, podcasts to do this week. Are the international man of mystery and the podcast champion of the world. So, you know, I, I don't know how you do it, my friend. It's impressive. Just have 30 minutes every day to do a podcast and you're fine. <laughs> I don't know if my fiance is on board with that. She limits me to two or three Paul Brown interactions a week. Oh dear. It's at that stage already. <laughs> just plenty of other things on my to-do list most most of my friends girlfriends are on uh paul brown once a month and i have to be involved in it so uh all right Ian, mate tell everyone where they can find your details 
at Ian 19 on Twitter. Um, I got a lot of great follows and feedback from Browns fans when uh, you posted on Twitter, you know, our little AMA with miles. So, you know, feel free to tweet, give me your comments. You know, obviously it's a bye week So everybody's looking for news. You know, I saw Garofolo came out today and said that Trent Williams will not be traded. So Browns fans, we may have to rest easy on that pipe dream. Um, but yeah, for the most part, um, I try to get back to people as if I can, um, just, you know, keep it respectful, keep it easy and, uh, always good dialogue amongst Browns fans. We are, we are one of the classier groups of fan bases out there. Last thing is I'm working on a kilt, full kilt traveling from London to Boston to Foxborough in a Browns orange kilt for dedication to the Scottish hammer. Watch your space. Ooh, I, I, I'm curious to see that. You know, I do know a couple kilt makers in Scotland if you ever need a personal Paul Brown kilt. <laughs> now you tell me. It's taken me weeks to find one. But anyway, I've got a shoot. Ian, it's been a pleasure. I'll speak to you during the week. All right, Paul. Have fun. Travis. Cheers, buddy. Bye.